0: what up world it's your past first point guard and blazer beat writer mike Richmond. you are listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts it is another episode of mailbag monday y'all that means a full show answering listener questions submitted by you the listener if you want to get involved in mailbag monday there's two ways to do it it's actually the same way on a different timeline one if you were ever thinking of a Blazers question, just tweet it at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. You got one in mind, open up that application or website, tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. I will see it, I will save it, I will answer it. Or, wait till Monday morning, when I put out a tweet soliciting your questions, respond to that tweet, I will answer it here. That's it. Two ways. Like I said, it's the same way, just two different times. So let's do it. Mailbag Monday, a full show of your questions. Let's get it started. This one was from last week. I just didn't I didn't do the research in time, Jack. It comes from Jack at E.T. Comeback on Twitter who asks, Is the cat sound for Blaze the Trail Cat that is played in the stadium the same as the one that is played by the Florida Panthers in their stadium? Now I have never been to a Florida Panthers game. I've been to a handful of NHL games in my time. Carolina Hurricanes and Pittsburgh Penguins. Not sure any others, but definitely those two. Never been to a Panthers game, so I couldn't tell you. But what I can tell you is where Blaze the Trailcat sound came from. And folks, it's Black Cat by Janet Jackson. Yeah, okay, one more time, Blaze. Hit us. So I don't know if that's what the Florida Panthers do in their arena, but that's what the Blazers do in their arena. They play that Janet Jackson soundbite, and now I have ripped, and I can drop in the Blaze sound whenever you want. It's probably a little bit of a dangerous tool. Next question comes from Daniel Prins at Daniel underscore Prinz on Twitter who asks, is GTJ, Gary Trent Jr., the second coming of Wes Matthews? I'm going to assume for this question that you meant Wes Matthews Jr., someone who used to be proud to be a junior and only a Wesley who became a Wes Matthews later in his life as he accepted being called the same name as his father. This is an interesting one because I think prior to the last month, I don't. I wouldn't have considered Gary Trent Jr. at all a good comp for Wesley Matthews. But the way he has defended, with the energy he has enjoyed being a pest on defense, I'm starting to really like this Wesley Matthews comp. I hadn't really thought about it till I saw this tweet, but it's a really good one. So I looked up Wesley Matthews' first year with the Blazers, which was his second season in the league. Gary Trent Jr. is in his second season in the league. That year, Wesley Matthews averaged... Let's go per 36 minutes because Gary Trent Jr. just didn't play enough for um, this to be a good comparison. I think it normalizes the, the comparison a little better. But per 36 his second season, Wesley Matthews averaged 15.6 points, 2.6 excuse me, 3.4 rebounds, and 2.2 assists. In 36 per 36 this season, Gary Trent Jr. is averaging 14.1 points, 3.2 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. They're pretty similar. They're both they both shot exactly 40% from 3 during their second season. Wes Matthews finished better on twos. Uh Gary Trent Jr doesn't shoot twos very well, 42% on two-pointers. Uh Wes was a better defender. The advanced stats love Wes, Wes, this Wesley Matthews. Um his offensive win shares are way higher, defensive win shares way higher, his total win shares, win shares per 48, offensive uh box score plus minus, all those all those sexy advanced stats that you know and or that you don't know and probably don't love. But yeah, I, I think Wesley Matthews was a lot better at this stage of his career. He was also 24 years old. He had played four years in uh in college. Um I love the comp though. I don't know if he's the second coming, but I really love that comp, Daniel. Respect. Staying on the Gary Trent beat for a second. Eric A at Eric J and or Eric Jand on Twitter. Not exactly sure the pronunciation on that one, but I did my best, Eric. At, Eric asks Lots of deserved praise for Gary lately. Is his game sustainable or more like when Lehman was amazing for a month or so? Here's the thing. We don't know. Jake Lehman would have these stretches. In fact, his best, his last season with the Blazers, he just had that stretch where for five weeks, he was a really good NBA player. He made everything around the rim. He shot really well. He was was good enough as a cutter and a shooter to be a really valuable offensive player and to offset any of his defensive shortcomings. We haven't seen Gary Trent go sort of revert, right? We haven't seen him go back to a slump. So this is sort of still riding that high note. I think it's too early to say. I think it's worth cautioning that this could be the type of thing where young players get it going, then they become, they get put on someone's scouting report and, and things get a little bit tougher for him. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. seems to have a little more moxie than Lehman did. I don't know if that's if that's the right word. I don't mean to be insulting to Jake. I think he's if he gets healthy in Minnesota, I think he could be a pretty useful rotation player. Uh, I, I think right now the arrow is probably pointing up higher for Trent than it ever did for Lehman in my eyes because I think he does um, more stuff on both ends. I don't think Lehman ever really became like a competent or 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 valuable defender, but it's too early to say with Trent. We have no idea. He's played really well for a month. Let's uh, let's see what's next. Next question comes from Blake Bataro at Ball Don't Lie seventy seven on Twitter, who asks, "What can we fans do to push the NBA to make some much needed changes slash updates?" That non call on the Rudy Gobert goaltend was one of the first I've, worst I've seen in sports. With all the cameras, personnel, and review capabilities, it's time to eliminate human error and use technology. Um, Some of that emphasis at the end of Blake's question is my own. Uh, It just got really righteous at the end of that sentence and I couldn't help myself. Blake, I don't think there's a single thing you as fans can do, and I don't mean that to be mean. I just don't think the league cares about that type of thing. The thing they care about is Damian Lillard cussing out the refs at the end of the game. That's a bad look. It's a bad look of one of the five best players in the league is swearing at an official and the league decides not to find him because you know what? He had every right to swear at the official. Kevin Pelton of ESPN was at the Blazers game on Sunday and he made a really good point. And I just want to repeat Kevin Pelton's point. Uh, I think he has a podcast. Listen to PeltonCast. Get more Kevin Pelton in your life. Um, He said that when the league has these problems, when Rudy Gobert clearly goaltends and uh, there's no way to trigger the review, that the league decides to do a lot of like piecemeal changes. Let's give a, a coach's challenge. Let's. Uh, rev- you were allowed to review goaltends first back in 2012 when Lamarcus Aldridge got um, called for a goaltend that just wasn't the case. You know, they they put these piecemeal things in. Here's a solution here, here's a solution here. And what Pelton says and what I agree with is that you just have to tear it down and holistically start over from the beginning. I think he agrees with you, Blake, and I think that's his point, is that instead of making this change in updates that we need to tear down the review and the replay process and start wholly from the beginning to improve the way we call and think about games because right now it is broken. All right, this next question comes from Ken Libby at Ken M Libby on Twitter who asks, would Dragon Bender look good in a Blazers uniform? First of all, Everybody looks good in a Blazers uniform because they have the best uniforms in the league this season. They kind of went into a little rough patch where they had bad uniforms for a second. Pretty rare in the history of this franchise to have bad uniforms, but they've bounced back. They've got a great slate. All four of their uniforms are good. I enjoy them. Dragon Bender would look good in that throwback cream. He'd look good in the vertical Blazers. He'd look good in either of the standard jerseys. He would, uh, Dragon would be killing it. But I don't think you're talking about sartorial choices. I think it's more basketball stuff. Um, I, I like Dragon. And when he was coming out of the draft, uh, I'm glad I didn't have a podcast then because I thought he was going to be the truth. I thought he was going to be a star. Uh, maybe I should have dialed that back when he became a son, but I was a believer. I was a big Dragon believer. Um, I thought he was going to be Chris Tapps before Chris Tapps, but he's not that. I don't know if he's an NBA player. Uh, reports out of Milwaukee was that he worked his ass off and was ready to go. He was just on too good of a team to be a contributor. Uh, I think he's an interesting choice considering what the Blazers have to work with now. I think he could probably earn playing time over Wenyan Gabriel. But um, I'm not a believer that he really moves the needle this season. And if considering where they are, I think it would make more sense for them to sign an uh like a rental adult like a a true veteran who has a proven track record in the league who might be on the buyout market as opposed to dragon bender for those of you who don't know he was released by the milwaukee bucks when they chose to sign marvin williams go tar heels yeah dragon bender is um it's an interesting choice ken but uh he's not my choice okay this next question comes from joseph at man joseph on twitter who asks do you see a scenario where Carmelo will be asked to cede his starting spot to Gary Trent Jr., and if so, will he abide? Uh, I, I don't think that's very likely. I mean, just like to be a pedantic, Joseph. Gary Trent Jr. doesn't play four, so if he were to take someone's starting spot he would take Ariza, and then maybe Ariza would, and then Mello would be seating his spot to Ariza. But this isn't about pedantry. I think this is more about um, whether Mello would, in some ways, this is more about whether Mello would allow someone to become a starter. I don't think that's part of the deal. I don't think. I think the reason Mello wasn't in the league for ten months is because he wanted to start. He wanted a, a place where he could play. Big minutes start and be part of the plan every night and not be a backup center like he was a little bit in, in Houston. So I think Gary Trent Jr. has earned more playing time. Uh, maybe that comes at Melo's expense, but I also think that Carmelo Anthony is going to want to start in the NBA until he's not in the NBA anymore. Okay. Next question comes from Amy Hall at Accounting Rocks on Twitter who asks, the week after the All-Star Games looks like it should be some great games against other teams fighting for the 8th seed spot. Which ones are you most excited for? Uh, I think maybe there's a typo in this question. It happens Twitter doesn't have an edit button. The This week leading into the All-Star break, there's two games against Western Conference teams. Uh, battling for the last spot in the playoffs. And then when the Blazers come out of the break, they do play New Orleans one more time. They play at at New Orleans, at Memphis before the break, and then they come out and play New Orleans. And then they play, have a, a, a slew of East Coast opponents, Detroit, Boston, Indiana, Atlanta, Orlando, Washington, uh, before um, they get back to their West Coast slate. So who am I more excited for? Well, I'm really excited to see them play Zion Williamson for the first time. Go Tar Heels still, but... Uh, Zion is an incredible talent. Um, I wish we'd got a f- gotten a full season of him. Uh, I'm excited to see him come to, to Portland after the All-Star break for sure. So that's probably the game I'm most personally excited for, just to see him in person. But... The more interesting game to me is at Memphis. It's the second night of a back-to-back. It's the final game before All-Star Break. It's kind of a classic game where good teams would say, Yeah, screw it. We're we're out. Like we are tired and we are looking at a 10-day break and we don't wanna we don't wanna do this. We have a week off. But the Blazers aren't that, and Memphis isn't that either. So both those t- teams are gonna take that very seriously. And if the Blazers were to lose, they'd be dropping I mean, if they lose to New Orleans the night before, they could drop as many as four games behind Memphis, going into the break. That would be that would be a really big deal. Uh, Memphis has also become one of my league pass teams this year. Love watching them. Uh, John Morant is just he's he's worth watching. Uh, if you're a league pass customer, watch it. It's fun. So I guess Memphis is the answer, but also New Orleans. I'm excited for all the games, Amy. I like the NBA. Okay. Next question, from Logan Gillis, who asks, Which of the players on the roster, age 21 or younger, has the best chance of making an all-star team during their career? So, this is, depending on what you mean by roster, it's either three dudes or five dudes. Nazir Little is 19, Anthony Simons is 20, Gary Trent Jr. is 21, Wendon Gabriel, Caleb Swanigan, Zach Collins, all just turned 22. But if you want to include the two-way guys, Moses Brown is still 20, Jalen Horde is still 20. Um, there's no need to include them, though, because neither of those dudes are in the running for an All-Star game. I I don't see Nazir Little as a star. I, I think his skill set screams hustle player more to me. So I really think it's between Simons and Trent. Obviously, before the season, the Blazers were basically touting Simons for the All-Star game. Uh, he was the best player that... Um, Neil Olshay had ever drafted, right? And he's not even the best player on the Blazers from his draft class. I mean, maybe he is. But Trent Jr. right now looks like the best basketball player. Uh, he doesn't really dribble, which um, makes it harder for him to become an all-star. Simons does more like all starry stuff, but he's also way worse at basketball. Like right now, today, he's way worse at basketball. So if I had to handicap it, I'm I would still bet simons because i feel like he has the highest chance of being a star but he's certainly the worst of the two options now if if you raise the age to 22 give me zach collins more, much more likely to be a really productive nba player of, of those three but you said 21 so the answer simons even though with some real hesitation all right in the second segment coming back Answering more of your questions, doing what we do here on Mailbag Monday. But before we get there, let's talk about advertising on this podcast. If you've been a listener to Lockdown Blazers, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with the locked on community to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Lockdown Blazers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Trailblazers fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On Blazers podcast listener, as you may know, the best type of podcast listener. So, if your company wants to connect with Blazer fans, then let's put your company right here on this podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Let us help you. Here's what you do. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. Look forward to hearing from you. All right. Still mailbag Monday. Still rolling along. Alright, this next question comes from Neil Olshay's burner at Paint in PDX on Twitter, who asks, Is something a little off with CJ running the offense this year? To me, lately, things are just sort of limping along when he's the facilitator. Am I wrong to think they need him to do more? I don't know if more is the right answer, but I think it's pretty clear that CJ has been, since the calendar flipped to 2020, he has not been as good. His shooting percentage is down since the November and December and January and February he's been he's shot worse from the field over the Blazers last 16 games he's really struggled at the foul line that's spoiler up for a question that's coming up next but he's 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 still making his threes but basically his mid-range touch has really escaped him over the last little bit maybe some of that is is residuals from the ankle injury but I also just think he hasn't been as sharp when Dame has been Electric CJ has been slightly below his normal average. He doesn't do a lot of other stuff. Like, he, he's, he's, his passing numbers, like assist numbers are up from last year, but he's not a, he's not like a high level facilitator. When you watch him, you don't feel like he's racking up assists or setting guys up. It's just not what he does. In a lot of ways, it's not what they ask him to do in the second unit. Uh, they just need him and Mello to cook and score because no one else can score. So I'm, I'm not going to be critical of him in that way. But yeah, I think he's been, um, I don't think he's been very good the last two, three weeks, maybe five weeks. Uh, he's He hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been himself, and the Blazers need him to be an absolute ace if they're going to get where they need to go. All right, next question comes from Larry at tbpup22 on Twitter, who asks, why has CJ's free throw percentage dropped so much this season and plummeted in 2020? Yeah, so he's... He's down to 74% on the year and 54% in January, he being CJ, not Larry. I imagine Larry also makes about half his free throws, maybe slightly more. Larry, if you're like a 90% free throw shooter, you can tweet at me and tell me I'm wrong. But um, in any case, w- like w- why has CJ started missing free throws? I don't know. And free throws is such a hard thing to ask guys about. Like, hey dog, you one year you were the best free throw shooter in the NBA, do you suck at it because you're not focusing? Why aren't you focusing? What's wrong? Um, it's a sen- its always really sensitive. Bad free throw shooters. It's hard to ask them about it. Was always hard to talk to Ed Davis, who was a bad free throw shooter, Mason Plumlee, who was a bad free throw shooter, about being a bad free throw shooter. Um, it's just a sensitive thing. Uh, so I don't have an answer for you. And trying to pry it out of C.J., someone who is uh, can be a difficult interview. Is not easy. But I. I Larry, I think it's a very important thing you bring up because it is glaring how bad he's been at the free throw line. CJ doesn't get there very often, so to not cash in to shoot 55% from the free throw line over his last 16 games is brutal. Maybe a little R and R, a little uh, a Ruben's son, or wherever he ends up during the uh, somewhere warm during the All Star break will rekindle his stroke. But for right now, uh, that's that's a real issue. Uh, if if I get a chance, I'll try to pry it out of him in private. I'll try to ta- I'll try to talk, ask him nicely about it in private, but it's a really hard thing to do in a group setting without um, just being a jerk. Okay, second segment is always where we used to talk about Hassan Whiteside trade stuff. So I, I, I kind of talked more about CJ, but I'm not going to give up on the Hassan Whiteside trade stuff because neither are y'all. This next question comes from Douglas Hallstrom at Dougie Froth on Twitter who asks, Can the Blazers use Whiteside's bird rights to facilitate a sign-and-trade this offseason if a tax team wants to pay him more than the minimum? Douglas, that is exactly the rule. That can happen. That's how, it, that's how it works. And the most likely team to do a sign-and-trade would be a tax team. Teams over the tax who want to offer more than the minimum, more than the mid-level exception. I don't want to get too deep into the CBA weeds, but that is the exact type of buyer that would want to give the Blazers an asset in exchange for signing Hassan Whiteside. There's some downside for the Blazers doing it. They would be hard-capped. Being in the hard cap is what teams can do to operate, uh, you wouldn't want to do it early in the off season if you're the Blazers. I really think that's an unlikely scenario. But to answer your question, Douglas, that's exactly how it would work. Yes, they can. Next question comes from Jeremy at Maui Blazers, who asks, "Does trading Scal? That's Scalabecier for the unfamiliar. Does trading Scal signal a possible willingness to keep Hassan Whiteside for next year to complement Nurk?" Or is Hassan unwilling or unable to be a compliment? I love the phrasing of this question, Jeremy. Unwilling or unable? I think that is the most curious part about Hassan Whiteside. And I will say this. Unwilling or unable is hard for me to answer. He he hasn't been put in that situation this year just because of the Blazers roster. Basically, the first two games he didn't play at crunch time and they chose Zach Collins over him. And then by the crunch time of game three, Zach Collins was done for the season or done for most of the season, 75 games. Um, I think that's the real curious question. Is he unwilling to come off the bench? Is that a non-starter? Is that a Carmelo Anthony situation where he'll say the right things, but in his heart, if he's not starting, he doesn't want to do it. Is he unable, meaning what if he come off the bench? Could he focus? Could he play hard? I, I, Jeremy, this is just a great question. Hopefully you uh, work in some sort of communications department because you've got a real skill here. I don't know. Is the real answer to your question. I don't I don't know Hassan Whiteside well enough. My read on him is that he would want to start in the way that everyone would want to start. And my read on him is that he would be better off given a big role, big responsibilities, and to find himself. Because early in the season, I don't think he really um I don't think he really jived with the team on the court. And I think over the last six weeks he's kind of figured out how he can really help and he's turned into someone who has very similar looking stats but if you watch the games is just much more impactful but the first part of your question trading scale has nothing to do with Hassan it has to do with the Blazers getting cheaper they didn't do that for any signal they did that to get cheaper because the billionaires who own the team didn't want to pay taxes that's just what happened The Hassan stuff's fascinating. I can't wait to see how it plays out this summer. Next question comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter, who asks Now that the trade deadline is passed, what is the most likely outcome for the season? The Blazers keep up the recent good play, make the playoffs, and surprise everyone with a run to the finals? Or do they miss the playoffs, win the lottery, and draft LaMelo Ball? Reverend Matthew, my dear friend, Thank you for coming back with a stupid hypothetical. You can't, Last week, you made me make a prediction on this podcast. This week, you're coming with wild, polar opposite hypotheticals. That's what I'm talking about, dog. Keep up the good work. Uh, it is much more likely that they miss the playoffs and draft LaMelo Ball. Not because they're likely to miss the playoffs, but because... Playing well and making the finals is something that they have not done in uh, quite some time, 30 years. Um, and there's some really good teams. They would have to beat several very good teams in the Western Conference. And listen, I know that there is a certain section of the fan base who is saying, when Nurk is back, bro. And they're just repeating that over and over when Nurk is back, bro. When Nurk is back, bro. When Nurk is back, bro. But that's we're a long way from when nurk is back bro and when he is we don't know what he's going to look like it's a huge question for right now the blazers are playing really well and they basically have six dudes who can help and those six dudes are helping but i just can't imagine a team that thin could make a run to the playoffs so the more likely of these two scenarios is that they win the lottery miss the playoffs win the lottery and for whatever reason draft Lamelo ball that's um that part is a real zag but sure yeah that's what's happening Next question comes from Hote Kim, at Hote underscore, or maybe Hotei underscore Kim 97 on Twitter, who asks, with one roster spot available, who would you like the Blazers to sign in the buyout period, or do you think they will sign Jalen Horde to the full guaranteed contract? Okay, so Jalen Horde's a two-way player, the Blazers could convert him to a regular NBA deal, two-way players cannot play in the playoffs, so they can convert him to a regular deal, use up that roster spot on him, and have him be part of the rotation. Jalen horde looked kind of okay when he played. Uh, the bar is relatively low for the end of the Blazers' rotation, of course. Uh, like anyone who is a, a non, who isn't like a major negative, is worth a shot. Um, who would I? Li- who would I like the Blazers to sign? I'd like them to sign like Antoine Jameson or. Tyler Hansbrough or Sean May, Sean McCants, Ed Coda, Adamola Okalija Elijah for the real heads, Chris Lang, Joe Forte. But who's a reasonable person for them to sign? They could probably use another big of any variety. We've, we've listed those names a bunch of times. If I was being serious and picking a Carolina alum, for those of you who didn't get that whole riff, it's all Carolina alums. Um... Tyler Zeller is like a probably a fringe NBA player at this point in his career. Uh, he was in training camp with the Nuggets. Um, I don't know. They could use a big. Who who I would like is is hard to say. Um, the the type of player is someone who could play f- four and five. That's who sh- who they should go after. Uh, they seem to have the wing rotation d- not down, but at least they have. They don't want to take away minutes from Gary Trent Jr. and Trevor Ariza at this point. Um, They're not going to take too many minutes away from Carmelo. So someone who can play as Melo's backup and Hassan's backup and fill in for either of them interchangeably is your best bet. Um, It'd be interesting to see if they do sign Jalen Horde. Uh, I think he's certainly an option. The team always seems to be more comfortable with guys that have been in-house and who they give money to first. Jalen Horde fits that quality that's a neil move is if if he paid you first he's going to pay you last so uh i think horde is a real option i i would say if i had to if i had to bet on this one i would say they're more likely to guarantee horde than sign someone outside the realm but if the right type of veteran who wants to be on sort of a mid middling team chasing a playoff spot agrees to come to portland that's who. The, that's also another option. I just think that the buyout market doesn't um, often lend itself to teams of the Blazers' current caliber. All right, third segment. Close out the show. More of your questions. All right. Still mailbag Monday. Still past first point guard. You're still listening to Lockdown Blazers, and I am still Mike Richmond. Let's close out the show. The final question for Mailbag Monday. This first one comes from Edmund Dantes at Roger24492979 on Twitter, who asks, what ex-Blazer would be best to bring back? And in parentheses, he says player. So I can't just bring back a coach. Bring back Jack Ramsey. Um, I answered a really similar question, perhaps an identical question to this, on a November 4th episode. That doesn't mean I'm not going to answer this one. I'm not that type of guy. But... Um, if if you feel like you're having deja vu, that's why. The best player they could bring back that would help them is Bill Walton. He's the best basketball player they've ever had. He was um is Dame's gonna be the greatest Blazer of all time, but Walton's peak, no Blazer has reached Walton's peak. He was the best player in the NBA in nineteen seventy seven and nineteen seventy eight. He could also play center. I think his passing ability would really help. Uh, maybe he could play four next to Hassan. I don't know. It's hard to say how his game would translate some 40 years later. But yeah, I think it's I think it's Bill Walton. I guess it would be Lamarcus Aldridge and Rashid Wallace. I kind of think Lamarcus Aldridge is better than Rasheed Wallace. That might be slander. Some of you might be really pissed, throwing your headphones down that I say that out loud. But yeah, I think I think Lamarcus is probably better than Rashid was. So yeah, I think Lamarcus, if I have to pick a, a current player. Or Chris Kamen, because he was really weird and I enjoyed being around him. Um, next question comes from David DeVrind at DJ squared503, who asks, let's say the big one. He's talking about an earthquake finally hits PDX. What quadrant of the city would be most ideal to be trapped in? So for me, I think I would like to be trapped in North Portland because that's where I live. And if the big one comes, I hope I'm around my family. Um, but I've, I kind of thought about this one a little. I'm going to go with Northwest. Um, I think that might be not a lot of people's choice, but there's all that new construction there. And I feel like new construction will mean a bunch of earthquake-safe buildings. So there might be more... Structurally sound p- shelters to be in. Uh, you might be able to. You might still be able to go to Whole Foods. Whole Foods is in a new building, so I might be able to still go to the grocery store if I'm trapped there. That's that's my thought. Is, is structural integrity of Northwest where the newest buildings are. Um, and otherwise, I'd rather be home. I guess I kind of live in an old house, so it might be dust. But um, yeah. Those are my choices. Next question comes from Justin Blazen at Justin underscore B underscore leak on Twitter, who asks, which other rappers slash artists do you think will be joining Dame Dala on All-Star Weekend on the All-Star Weekend stage, if you had to guess? Aside from common. Okay, some background here. Dame is going to rap on Saturday night after the three-point contest. He's in the three-point contest and then he's gonna rap. Maybe it's before. I think it's after. Who who knows exactly the the I would assume it's after for the for the way the events work um so and also he says aside from common or justin says aside from common uh common was at the he's a a rapper from the 90s and into the 2000s uh most famous for the album b probably if you're um if you're looking to get into his uh catalog he was at the game on sunday night uh damon him chatted, I guess Dame got him the tickets so they're they're homies, so I would say and Dame also tweeted, like, music coming soon so yeah, I think Common's a lock, but I'm gonna say Common will not be on stage Saturday night I'm gonna say the 100% book it now lock on stage on Saturday night with Damian Lillard is Pusha T. Pusha T is assigned to Adidas. Him and Damian Lillard recently collabed on a shoe that dropped this week. The All-Star Weekend is about big brands selling stuff. Damian Lillard is one of the best people In the world, that's selling stuff. It's kind of how his star rose so quickly. He leapfrogged a bunch of other Adidas athletes because he's so damn compelling. So, yeah, push a T. 100% lock will be on stage on Saturday night. The other options, I would say outside chance Pharrell Williams and Kid Cudi. They're both on Adidas' payroll. Um, Two Chains is also on Adidas payroll. I'm ruling out completely and entirely Beyonce, a recent collaborator with Adidas, because she's too famous and doesn't need Dame. And I'm also ruling out Kanye, a longtime Adidas collaborator, because Dame doesn't need him. So, yeah, push a T, then I would rank Two Chains as the second most likely, followed by Pharrell, number four, Kid Cuddy. Those are my four top four most likely to rap with Dame on Saturday night. Final question of the show, sticking on the All Star theme, because by the time Mailbag Monday rolls around next week, y'all, we will, we will have All starred We will have seen it all happen. So Brennan asks, presciently, Brennan O'Donnell at Brennan O'Donnell on Twitter, where the O is a zero. Shout out to numerical letters, alphanumeric, whatever. Um, how do you see Dame's All Star Weekend? numbers turning out both with the new three-point contest which seems tailor-made for dame and the game itself on sunday yeah i mean it is tailor-made for dame he's definitely the best at shooting long three-pointers during the game uh the three-point format it's a little bit weird um i don't think it always rewards the best of the best shooters i mean of course like jason capono won it and he was the best of the best shooter um craig hodges was an excellent shooter who won a three-point contest Larry Bird. Steph Clay I, I, there's definitely the best shooters in the world win it but sometimes it is the it is the Joe Harris's someone who is one of maybe the 10 best shooters in the world but just has a really clean easy three-point contest stroke I kind of would pick against Dame in the three-point contest um, I think he's I think he's he I think he has the best odds or the shortest odds him and Joe Harris um, but I don't think his ability to shoot long threes in games over defenders off the dribble is as valuable in that sort of standstill um, three-point contest segment. Also, I think Dame is such an established star that he's not going to practice for the three-point contest at all because he's just he doesn't need Saturday night stuff, which I think takes away a little from his uh, chances to, to have great success I mean maybe he'll practice a little like on Friday he'll get some shots up but I don't think he's gonna the Blazers have to play a back-to-back and they really need to win he's not wasting his time at practice shooting three-point contest stuff maybe he will maybe you'll see a video of him doing that but it seems really unlikely to me Sunday though Sunday I think Damian Lode is going to be the hipster pick for all-star MVP and I like his odds he took And before I come crashing in with this stat, let me give credit where it's due. Blazers PR ace, Jacob Gifford, pointed out to me that Damian Lillard took 17 three-pointers in the All-Star game last year. If Dame gets up 17 threes, I really like his chances of winning MVP. That might sound wild. Um, Obviously, LeBron James is going to... Show out this year for sure. People think he's going to sort of play, pay tribute to Kobe Bryant by going nuts in the All Star game. Well, um, Damian Lord certainly paid tribute to Kobe Bryant in L.A. a few weeks ago by playing incredibly hard. Um, I think it would be. I've been talking about Dame's branding. Uh, there is there is some importance to the All Star game to winning MVP. No one cares if you play okay. Okay doesn't matter. If you play bad, it doesn't really matter. But if you go, if you're going to go for it. It matters. Winning that All-Star MVP matters. That hardware matters. I think it would matter a little bit to Dame to get on that stage with the best players in the NBA and be the best player. Outside chance, Giannis wins it too because he's just bowling over the league this year. He's going to be the unanimous MVP and he's somehow underrated. But I really like Dame's chances on Sunday. I'm not, um, not as bullish on what he's going to do on Saturday night. Those are my thoughts. Next Mailbag Monday after the All-Star break, so feel free to tell me what I was wrong about. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, here's how you do it. You tweet at me, at Rich whenever you're thinking of a question, or wait for Monday mornings when I put out the tweet calling for questions. Respond to that tweet. I'll answer it here. I love Mailbag Monday, and I love all of y'all for contributing and making this what it is. Let's do it again soon. Same time next week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.